Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Verse number 38 starting. The Bible says, it's not often that we preach from Chronicles or people do, but we will tonight. The Bible says all these men of war that could keep rank came with a perfect heart to Hebron to make David king over all Israel and all the rest also of Israel were of one heart to make David king. And there they were with David three days eating and drinking for their brethren had prepared for them. Moreover, they that were nigh them, even unto Issachar and Zebulun and Naphtali, brought bread on asses and on camels and on mules and on oxen of meat, meal, cakes of figs and bunches of raisins and wine and oil and oxen and sheep abundantly. For there was joy in Israel. Now we're kind of coming up on the closure of this chapter. There's a lot that is said and spoken for to begin with this chapter. But basically all it comes down to is this. There has been a quite, quite of a gathering of people that have gathered together to Hebron. David has been at Hebron for seven years. This is at the ending or the culmination of those seven years. There's a lot of people throughout his lifetime that has gathered to David, followed him now to Hebron, even some now coming to Hebron here in the seventh year to make him king over Israel now, not just Judah, but all, all over Israel. These are great warriors, people that are considered to be great people in artillery and warfare that have come, mighty men of David that have come. People from every tribe of the nation of Israel has come. And it notes here in Scripture, out of all these listing of different people, of, of armies, of men, of warriors, those that were ready and apt to do battle, that there were also, Lord, some that had made preparations for provision for these people. The Bible makes a point of that here in the closure of chapter 12 of Chronicles, First Chronicles. I'm going to minister here just for a little while tonight. Strong in power. Strong in power. Hallelujah. We need the Lord to help us in the next little while. Amen. I got the time going, and I'll try to be mindful of you and your tiredness. But if we could just fight a little bit past that, amen, and enter into the realm of God's Spirit, I think even the weak could be able to say that they're strong. Amen. We can find refreshing in the presence of the Lord. Father, I come to you here this evening. I'm asking, oh God, for your Spirit and your presence to light upon each and every one of us, Lord, in this place. God, from platform, God, to pew tonight. God, let there be an awareness, Lord, in our spirit. God, to eagerly, Lord, give of ourselves, Lord, to what you would desire and what you would have, Lord Jesus, in this place. God, we need, Lord Jesus, a fresh word from heaven. God, to be, Lord Jesus, conveyed, Lord, into our lives here tonight. God, minister, Lord Jesus, I pray you are far better acquainted with the needs here than I am, Lord. And I just lean upon you, Lord Jesus, God, for your direction, your word, and your purpose, Lord, to be showcased in this house. God, and I not fail, Lord, to thank you for it. God, when I return to my seat, in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. 
Amen. You may be seated tonight. The lovely name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In this past year, in some of my readings of books that I have read, I read a book that was entitled The Greatest Generation Speaks. Tom Brokaw wrote it, and it was actually kind of a sequel to a book that he had formerly written about the greatest generation. Those who are termed the greatest generation are those that were part of the World War II generation. Many of them uh, who were not just sideliners, but in some way had participated in that whole scheme of warfare of World War II, whether they served in some branch of the military for the United States or whether they were still here on the home front. Uh, doing what they could do to help make sure that there was steel and metal and ammunition and supplies uh, being taken to those that were on the battlefield. In that book, The Greatest Generation Speaks, it is the answer to the first book. What generally happened, Tom Brokaw wrote about the World War II generations in detail and even pinpointed certain battles and such even mentioned some particular names. And as a result, that fell into the hands of some World War II veterans that are still yet alive. It also fell into the hands of families of World War II veterans that had already passed on, no longer among them. But in the reading of those pages, they seen some of the stories of their family, some of the stories of their grandparents and great-grandparents written in them. And it touched many lives, but particularly it touched the lives of those who were veterans that had been involved in that time frame. And as a result, he began to be inundated with letters from these veterans talking about their love stories that happened in their life during that time, about reunions that took place that they thought would never take place because of the field of battle was so great. And no doubt they thought some that they had served with their life was no doubt lost and so he got all of these stories some were tremendous some of them you could read I I could almost sense the setting as I read them feel the emotion that they were feeling as they explained their stories but of one story was written about William L. Hall he was and is I might say a world world war II veteran he is among those labeled the greatest generation he actively participated in 12 battles during world war ii he was awarded the philippine liberation ribbon with two bronze stars for bravery but unlike many of that generation his responsibilities were not directly tied to battles on the front lines his story is not one of carrying a weapon or of manning a cannon he served aboard what was known the USS Jupiter it was basically a supply ship for the fifth fleet in the Pacific theater that prior to the war was just a normal cargo ship named the SS Flying Cloud it was during the war that this ship traveled 135,218 miles carrying thousands of tons of supplies food fuel equipment and troops to various fronts and various locations, all of which involved it crossing the equator 14 times in its voyages and picking up 10 battle scars, the stars rather, the ship itself got 10 battle stars itself along the way for its involvement during World War II. It was known as a supply ship. A supply ship was what these type of ships were called. They were often considered the first and easy pickings for the enemy. 
because cutting off the supplies to the other warships was considered a very very critical thing for them to do. They, many times, these supply ships came under the greater attack than any other just warship type of vessels because they held the supplies of fuel and ammunition and people and food for those that were out on the battleground. As a matter of fact, at one point, William, they called him Bill, was continuously at sea for 18 months because the ship that he was on was constantly under fire. They could not make it to land, could not go home, could not engage to any other warfare because they were under fire because they were a supply ship. It was in these supply ships that they brought fuel to the tanks that were on the land. They brought ammunition to the weapons that were being held in the hands of the warriors. Food would be distributed from these supply ships to the ever-fatigued bodies that were involved in daily warfare in the field. But I ask you tonight this, but what is a gun without ammunition? What, what is a tank without fuel to propel it forward? What, what is a wearied body, an honorary soldier without food for his own soul? So what the supply ship gave to each one of these, it gave to all. It supplied to the tank and it supplied to the gun and it supplied to the individual. It supplied both power and to strength to each and every one of these. The enemy knew that a gun without ammunition was less deadly than one with ammunition. The enemy knew that a tank without fuel was just a sitting duck that could only provide a barricade for its operators for so long. The enemy knew that even a skilled group of warriors were only as successful as the supply of their energy source. And so the war, in essence, did not solely depend upon the militant men of the ground. It did not solely depend upon these robust tanks of very fortified metal that were on the field it did not solely depend upon the arms that were bore by the soldiers the critical point of attack for all of these were their power source their supply line amen and therefore the supply ships suffered the greater attack than the warships because they were the fountainhead if you will of that power source for each and every one of these in reality what took place on the field with the armed men and the missiles exploding from the tanks and all of the men that were marching to do battle. All of that what happened there really in reality its origin was on the supply ship. Can someone say amen? And so the enemy knew if I can cut off the supply, if I can cut off the power source, if I can cut off the ammunition, if I can cut off the fuel, if I can cut off the food, then I already got part of this battle already won. I've come here on this Sunday night because I believe that there is a similar, a similar, if you will, strategy and mode of operation for our adversary as well. That he has just come to find out this, that it's not really in the power of the weaponry they 
have because they are very well equipped. They have the tools necessary in order to do battle. It's not in the vehicles that they have that they can operate to evangelize the world or somehow do what they need to do within the four walls of their assembly. It's not even the manpower. We got churches filled, really, folks, all across America, not just here, but in other places and countries abroad. It's really not the manpower, but the enemy has come to terms with this. They can have the best tools. They can have the greatest manpower. But if I can just somehow cause a wedge, be between them and their power source. You don't understand today. He is by no way, no means, no how upset with somebody with the tools if they don't have a connection with the power. He is not upset, amen, if we are in attendance or if we are in rank, if we're not connected to the power. Listen, folks, and I'm thankful for all the tools that have been handed to us. I'm thankful for all the weaponry that's been handed to us. I'm thankful, if you will, even for skilled people in their divisions and their lots that are in the church. Thank God for that. Thank God for skilled people that are put in the right place, have the right talents, the right abilities, and know how to use them. But I'm here to tell you tonight, all of that is in vain. All of that really doesn't amount to much if we're disconnected from the supply line. Because as I began to read the scriptures that are here listed in, in the Bible, 1 Chronicles 12, the Bible speaks at different junctures in the road that there were people that gathered together unto David. That there were men, you look at verses 1 through 7, that came unto David whenever he came to Ziklag. He came to Ziklag thinking that he'll join, if you will, the forces of the Philistines to try to safeguard his life from Saul. And whenever he came to Ziklag, the Bible said that there were some people that met him. They were mighty men. They were helpers in war. The Bible says there were a portion of the tribe of Benjamin that came to David at Ziklag. The Bible speaks of these men as almost being ambidextrous. They could use both their left hand and their right hand in hurling stones or shooting arrows from the bows. They were able to do these things. What a great host of people to have alongside you and be gathered beside you. The Bible speaks of another group of people that came to David when he was in the stronghold in the wilderness. The Bible said they were the Gadites. They came to David in his stronghold in the wilderness. The Bible describes them as being men of might. They were fit for battle. They handled their shield. They handled their buckler well. The Bible said they had lion-like faces. How intimidating it would be to face a man with a lion-like face. The Bible says they were swift as rose and that whenever they crossed over Jordan, they didn't wait for Jordan during its time that there wasn't much water in the river. They waited till Jordan was in its overflowing, its bank time. And these lion-like faced men crossed over Jordan when it was overflowing its bank. These were some people here. They put the flight, all those that were in the valley, these are the type of men that David drew. These are good men. Mighty men. Lion-like men. Ferocious, if you will, men. 
David drew those into his side. He had a drawing power, if you will, of this type of people. The Bible continues to describe that he also drew some people when he was in the stronghold of Jedi. Amen. I'm not talking about Star Wars. Amen. In the stronghold of Jedi, he drew some people at that time too. Amen. He drew some people to him whenever he was returning to Ziklag. The Philistines said, David, you can't, you can't fight with us. There could be that you might change your mind and start fighting for Saul in this battle. You need to go back home to Ziklag. You need to go back to that area. And as David is returning, the Bible says there are some of the tribe of Manasseh that came to help David fight against the rovers, or if you will, the Amalekites. Remember David going back to Ziklag? Ziklag's been set on fire. His wives, his children has been taken. Well, these men came at that time to help David fight against those type of people. And the Bible says they were mighty men of valor. Then he had supporters, the Bible says, from all over Israel that came to David in these last years here at Hebron. Now look at the type of people that's coming to David. People of every tribe. Judah come. Some of the tribe of Judah come. They can bear the shield and the spear. They are ready, armed for war, the Bible says. Simeon comes. Haman, some men of Simeon, they were mighty men of valor. You'll see that time and time again throughout 1 Chronicles 12. Mighty men of valor. Ephraim, who's famous in his father's house, the Bible says, is a car. The Bible said men that understood their times and knew what Israel ought to do. Do you see? Do you see the gathering of people that's coming together here to David? He's got people that are expert in war. He's got people that know how to use a sword and a shield. He's got people that know how to use spears. He's got people that are famous. He's got lion-like faced men. He has people that's crossed over Jordan whenever it was overflowing its banks. They're not afraid. They're not fearful. And now he has a part of all this entourage. He has some people of Issachar that they know the times and know what Israel ought to do. Now, man, that, that's a great advantage to have. Man, that's a great, and to know when to go to war, where to go to war, what to take, that's great. Man, it's great to have somebody that's a part of your life or in your life. It's great sometimes to know what to do in it. For all the times you don't know what to do, isn't it great? Sometimes to know what to do, when to do, and how to do it. That's what David had on his side. Man, he had expertise, and he had people that knew what to do, when to do, and how to do it. Man, that's great. Someone say, that's great. That's great. Uh-huh. Isn't it? Uh-huh. I mean, you wouldn't be, you don't even ask God, what's your will? You just know because you got the sons of Issachar. They know what is wrong to do. Uh-huh. Someone say, that's great. So they have these sons of Issachar there. Then there's Zebulun. He's an expert. They are experts in war. The Bible says with all instruments of war. In other words, they were weapons and artillery Specialist. <gasps> 50,000, the Bible says, and they could keep rank. They're not of a double heart. Don't have a double standard. They're not double-minded. Their allegiance is soul to David. Amen. Great people, great men. The Bible even talks of another specialty group of Naphtali who were specialty in the shield and spearsmen, 70,000 of them. I mean, we got us together, an army. And they're all coming together. And the Bible says they are of a perfect heart. 
And so while the scripture uses all these verses up to verse 38, talking about experts of war, men of war, shields and swords and bows and arrows, doing it with the left hand and the right hand, lying like men, men that knew what to do, when to do, and how to do. We think, man, the odds are all stacked in our favor. But David, through the hand of the Spirit, the writer here of Chronicles, rather, just pins another note right here and said, also among all these great warriors and people that know what to do, when to do, and how to do, we must not overlook also there is a group that is prepared food. There's a group that is prepared food for all these warriors. There's a group that is prepared food for all of these sons of Issachar. There's a group that is prepared food that they can even go now three days in a festival of rejoicing and celebrating before they go get the ark and before they go to Jerusalem because there's been some men that they don't have, if you will, a sword. They don't have a shield. They don't have, if you will, the where to go, what to do, and when to do it, but they know how to cause there to be a supply line. Someone say amen. He says, so before I start talking about all the warriors, before I start talking about all these great experts in war, I want to tell you that there is somebody that has supplied some food. Because it doesn't matter how expert you are in war. It doesn't matter how skillful you are with a sword. If you don't have the strength to wield the sword. It doesn't matter if you're a sniper on your best day, being able to pluck them off through the crosshairs of a gun. But if you don't have the strength to lift that thing up or keep your head up in a level where you can sight through that, it really doesn't profit anything. Is a car? It doesn't matter that you say go here on this day and do it. If we can't get the troops marching, if we can't get them going, it's really not going to profit us much to know what to do, when to do, and how. Someone say amen. amen. Someone say amen. amen. And so with that being said, we can have all the artillery in the church that's necessary. We can have all the tools in the church that's necessary. We can have people that's expert in multimedia. We can have people expert in sound. We can have people expert in music. We might even have some professional preachers. I don't know. But we can have people that's expert in all these different things. But if we somehow lose a connection. Someone say amen. The Bible states this in Proverbs 24, in verse number 10. It says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Thy strength is small. We're not just talking about a natural strength. We're not just talking about, you know, uh, some body builded up strength. But if you think the day of adversity, because whenever you're in warfare and whenever you're in trouble and you're being, if you will, attacked on every hand, you're going to have to have something that's going to daily renew. Daily renew your strength. He says, so if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You've somehow been cut off from the supply source. No, I'm not preaching to anybody here. I was supposed to preach this in the prison. But listen, your, your supply source is lacking. 
Your supply source is lacking. If you faint in the day of adversity, it was several years ago. I read this little thing. Uh, there was a man that had a committee of people that were taking them on a tour of a factory to judge the efficiency of the factory. And he was taking them through all the rooms and watching the mechanics of the machinery and how they were just so timed right and the rates were right and how it seemed to be a seamless operation with all of these machines. And the people were shown all of the various departments of the factory and how this, this whole operation was just an awe-inspiring operation, one that they could even take back home and the different principles that they could mirror their own organizations and factories after with these large machineries making a great deal of noise and having great success in what they were making. And then that person that was given the tour, they led them to a very small room, somewhat of a quieter room. It was containing nothing in there but the control panels to the building and one little smart aleck individual just piped up and said this isn't very important this isn't very impressive like everything else that you have showed me there's nothing happening here and that guy looked back to that smart aleck man and said oh you misunderstand it sir this is the most important room of all this is where the power is distributed to the rest of the factory in other words, you can have the largest machinery you have, have the most money implanted in that, but if it's separated from its power source, no, listen to me. You can have marble floors. You can have the best paint, the grandest of wood, but if it's separated from the power source, You go on, Brother Fred, you go on and fix up some vehicle. You paint it the most prettiest of color. You take out all the dents. You make sure it's streamlined. Let it be just set out at Frog Follies and let people go, man, that's a pretty vehicle. That looks restored exactly like it once was. And then they let them say, I'll give you so much money for it. Oh, yeah, I'll give you so much money for it. And they say, I want to, okay, here's the money. I want to drive it up on my cart. And you say, well, I'm sorry you can't do that. Why? Because it don't have an engine. Honey, the money's going back. The deal is over because you have something that looks pretty, looks nice, looks functional, but it has no power. I don't want to come to the house of God in my generation to look like I am expert and skilled in all manners of things, but have lost touch with the supply of his power. Must, 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 must keep in contact. There was another individual in that book. He belittled his position. He belittled his position as a World, World War II vet. His name was Roderick Berry. He never felt, he said this plainly, he said, I never felt like the greatest generation. Though he served in a branch of the military during that time and served during World War II of that time, he said, I never felt like the greatest generation. Amen. And I was 40 months, uh, he said, overseas, mainly in Hawaii and Ellis Island. He said, but I never felt like the greatest generation because I never fired a shot. And he said, I feel like my contribution was a waste. I feel like the government wasted time and wasted money, amen, on my duty and my obligation. He says, because my obligation was to maintain radio communication between the warriors and the higher commanders. He said, I didn't feel like it had a purpose. Let me tell you, friend, if you are just one that's a part of the supply line, how do I do that? If you go a 
as I said this morning on knees and prayer and you just keep the communication lines open from heaven to down here on earth you're making a contribution if you can just stay in touch with the master we need skilled people but we need people that can keep the communication open from here to heaven Because we can fill this congregation with skilled people. And if there's not somebody that knows how to keep the line of supply open between here and heaven, it doesn't matter how many skilled people we got. It doesn't matter if we get someone in here by try, quadruple lingled. And be able to find some people. I don't know how the dynamics here uh, Mount Carmel is. But we probably have some. And get all these people in here. Amen. Because we speak their language and we speak their tongue. But if we speak their tongue and don't speak in other tongues. Listen, anything that we branch out, we don't have everything branched out that I'd hope, amen, that we'd have branched out, amen, we'll just crawl in a little bit of time. But if we get operations up to clothe those that are naked and feed those that are hungry and we go visit the prisons and all that's fine and great and we have people that volunteer and say, yes, I want to be a part of that. Yes, I want to be a part of that. If you're going to be a part of that, thankful that you got a gun, thankful that your expertise, but somewhere along the line, ammunition's going to run out. If you don't have a supply of ammunition, I can't afford you being in battle. I can't afford you being in position. I can't afford putting a title on your name if you're not going to be connected to the supply line. I can't afford it. Can't afford it. What it comes down to is you're just a nice outfit on a mannequin in the window. Gotta stay connected. Gotta stay connected to supply. <laughs> we must, 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 must stay connected to the supply. Now, note this, folks. I'm not talking about shotgun shells. I'm not talking about mortar. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about lamb chops. I'm talking about the presence and the spirit of God. Someone hear what I'm saying? In the generation and hour that we're living in, listen, we can't afford one service dry. We can't afford one service disconnected. We can't afford one service detached, uninvolved, shrugged off. And if you're fainting in adversity, your strength is small. You need to get back connected from whence your strength comes from. Listen what the Bible says. I won't hold you long, but long enough. Isaiah 40 and verse number 25. I'm going to read a few verses of Scripture. I want you to capture this. Look where the Bible is speaking of strength and fainting. Capture this tonight. Look at it. God says, to whom then will you liken me? Or shall I be equal? 
saith the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold who hath created these things, that bringeth out their hosts by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one telleth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young man shall, do you hear what? is coming through the pen of Isaiah he's saying listen right now he says I don't care how young they are they'll faint without him he says I don't care what their lot is in life they will faint with I don't care how expert they are they will faint Without him, the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. He says, but they that shall wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings as an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How, how, how? Because they're connected to the power source. He says the Lord is strong in power. He does not fail. In other words, he says while men in their expertise and even the sons of Issachar's knowing the when and the how and the why, amen, they all will fail. They all will grow weary. They all will grow tired. But God's saying I'm up here tapping my foot. I'm not yet growing weary. I'm not yet growing tired. I'm not feeling like throwing in the towel. If you can somehow get connected to me, then what I experience, you'll experience. You'll not be weary. You'll You'll not faint. You'll not feel like thrown in the towel. And I'll empower you to do the job that I've stationed for you in this life. Someone say amen. <laughs> Our God is strong in power. If you faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. But that tells me that there's been a disconnect. There's been a disconnect. You need somebody just to wait sometimes upon the Lord in the services. I know where my strength's coming. It's coming from God. Brother Cook, those mornings that you go into the youth class on Sunday morning to teach, not only are you physically tired at times, but you're just spiritually worn to a frazzle. You might have the best Bible study plan put together for those kids, but it'll be to no avail if you're not connected to the power source, the supply line. All these musicians with all their talent, skill, and ability Thank God for it. Experts and specialties, if you will, in their own right of their own musical instruments. But honey, it will not be what it needs to be or do what it ought to do if there's not a supply line. If there's not a supply line. 
Honey, we could spend 10, 14 hours a day studying. Come up here with some words on a page that we believe is intelligently put together. But if we're not connected to the power source, if we're not connected to the power source, it will by all means be short of what it needs to be for those that sit upon the pew and in the pew. So let me tell you something. There's people said in other congregations of other denominations that's just as skilled as people that sat in here. There were people of other armies that could use the shield and the sword and the buckler and had the abilities that were on par with those of David's army. And there were people of other armies that had awareness and had some intel and knew when and how and what ought to be done as well. But the difference of the two is that somebody had a supply line going to the soldier. Somebody had a supply line going to the sons of Issachar. And while the others were fainting, David and them are just trudging alone. And they are strong because they stayed connected. Let me tell you, in the last days, the proof in the pudding is going to be shown concerning those matters. Because while they've ridden all along on talent, skill, and ability, it's going to get to where times of great adversity arrive. But they, Daniel said, which do know their God, shall be strong and do exploits. They that do, everybody say do, know their God shall be strong and do exploits. If you'll stand with me tonight, I'm coming to a close. David is going to leave this particular setting. He's going to go back for the ark of God. Fail in his first attempt, go back in his second attempt. And he's going to take it back to Jerusalem. And they're going to rejoice and they're going to be glad. And he's going to have accomplished that. Not solely because of expertise in warfare. Or because he had the most knowledgeable. But because he had those type of people. That he kept connected to a supply line. Where they could function. Where they could be their best. At the best time at the best place. Because they were being supplied with fuel in the real sense. Being supplied with food to have the stamina and the energy to do what they needed to do. The realm of the spirit today, we have an energy source. We have a power source. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And I would behoove us here this evening just to re-secure our connection with the Lord. We are leaving, and I know that it is not the last night of the year, but I always talk in December as though it was. We are leaving one year and entering another. It's time to go back around and do inspection. It's time to go back around and examine ourselves whether we be in Christ, the Bible says. It's time to re-examine ourselves, re-examine our connection to make sure that it is sure and that it is founded. Because, folks, there will be things arise, I'm telling you. The ploy of the enemy as it was in the wartime, so it is that the ploy of the enemy is this. I don't have to 
I'm not, I'm not, it's not like I'm going to unskill them, you know, cause them to be less of an expert when they have achieved that. But if I can somehow break the supply. And he would desire nothing more in this place to sever, to sever the supply line of the Lord in some of y'all's life. Still have you show up for roll call. Still have you keep rank, but have no power. Have no source of power. Have no power in the Lord. Hallelujah, if we embow our heads all across this place here this evening. It's quiet out there. Bow our heads all across this place this evening. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.